Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the success strategies and the mindsets of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. I'm really excited for today's guest, Ray Karpuska, Philip McKernan, Ryan Levesque, Rome Zot, Ramon Ray, Ty Lopez. Max, I want to welcome you to Making Bank today. So, I mean, what, what I think would be cool is maybe to share some of these, you know, maybe your top three strategies that you utilize when you're putting together a campaign that makes it super something super simple that any of the entrepreneurs watching this, you know, they can go out and click on Facebook and go to the ads and, and get something set up would be really cool. Sure. So I think one of the, the most critical things to understand is the flow of your campaign and the fact that it's not just a matter of run ad A to product page B and expect a sale. And, and that's a misconception that a lot of people that we speak with and that reach out to me, that's what they're doing. That's that's the extent of their advertising on Facebook is just trying to drive cold traffic to a product page and expecting them to buy. That can work to an extent for impulse buy products, commodity type products, and products that are lower priced, it doesn't work as the price goes up and as the education gap increases. So if you're selling something that's new to the market, that has some type of new evolutionary technology that's very expensive, that model just fails and doesn't work. And so you really need to treat it just like you would any other marketing funnel, where you're taking a cold lead and you're nurturing that lead before you try to sell them. And so you're, you're filtering them through different layers where that first layer is really about sharing ad, that the content is purely based around the, the problem that the product solves. Right. And so that's the first. So it's not a pitch of your product. It's a, uh, a pitch of the problem. And then we're getting people to click on that ad, read that ad, and retargeting those people to the next step. And so we're weeding out all the people in that cold traffic audience they just aren't interested in the problem. They, they don't have that problem. They can't relate to it. So sure. why would we spend money pitching the solution if they don't have the problem? Right. Once you get them there, you need to have the, the retargeting audiences set, the custom audiences for the retargeting set up to push that buyer to the finish line. And so somebody could have viewed the product and not added to the cart. And somebody could add to the cart and not bought. And there's reasons at each step why they might not have done that. Okay. So somebody that might have landed on that product page without buying, they, they're clearly interested in the product. They have the problem that you're offering the solution for, but maybe they need some more validation. Maybe you need to share with them some, if you're a medical product, a doctor testimonial video, or user-generated content, customer reviews, video testimonials, things that help uh, convince that prospect. Right. That your product is the real deal and that's other people talking about it and using it. If you're on the cart page and somebody gets there without leaving, nine times out of ten, it's the price. That's the reason why they didn't pull the trigger. So offering tier discounts for different retargeting levels. Um, so the first two days doing a free shipping discount and then days two to seven doing a 10% off and then seven to ten doing a 25% last ditch right. discount to get them to buy is, is critical. Because at that point, you don't want to lose that lead. I mean, you've done all the work to get them to that point. 
you need to make sure you're following up with them and, and pushing them to that finish line. And so that would be number two. And then I guess the, the third and final thing, it, you know, it's not the final, there's 150 things we talk about, but just for the sake of the, uh, the short amount of time we have is most people, I would say 95% of people I talk to don't do anything past that purchase. And so okay. the entire marketing, not just on Facebook, but everything is built around acquiring a customer, getting to buy, and that's it. So acquire a new customer, get them to buy. Acquire a new customer, get them to buy. The crazy thing about that is it's so much easier, five times easier to sell an existing customer as it is a new customer. So you have people that have bought from you. You've already done the hard work in selling them. Right. And now you can maximize that lifetime value. You can increase that average order value, especially if you have multiple products. Or if you have products that, like your products, like tooth, they need to get reordered. So if you have a product that is going to run out in a few months and then you reorder it, you should have a campaign in place to remind that person. So after, if your product runs out every 30 days, you should have an ad that runs three weeks after purchase that gives people a special deal if they reorder now. So things like that where you're doing cross-selling, upselling, and you're doing reminders about reoccurring type of orders is so critical to really maximizing the profitability of your Facebook campaigns. And it's something, it's probably the lowest hanging fruit for most businesses. Sure. And that's what's so scary, that's what's so shocking about it is how few people do anything with that, especially since it's so easy. <laughs> what do you think you would say maybe your three keys to success that have have pushed you and have driven you? Because I know you said, you know, for about five years you were depressed and you weren't sure how, you know, what, ha, you know, has been able to transform you and get you to where you are today? So I pretty much went from, because um, I didn't want the life that I, I lived, like when I was 25, I think. I was like, I was, you know, searching for like, my biggest goal was to go from like $7 to $10 an hour. You know, I worked in a security guard and then in the, fa- in the factory and they said like, you know, one time I was like, that's it, you know, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to, you know, do. And then secret came in, into my life and I saw, you know, opportunities, etc. And then in, uh, I went homeless for like five days. I lived, uh, actually, I came back from Christopher Howard free seminar where I saw the vision, like they, they, they talked about like, you know, you have to imagine what you're going to be like in five years. And I, there was like 5,000 people. Um, I, you know, I'm dead broke pretty much. I went home that night. I got kicked out and slept in a car for five days. But in that seminar, you know, it says like, what are you going to be in five years? And I'm looking at the graphics. I'm like, this is shit, you know. This is like really bad graphics. And I like, I know, you know, I, I want to do this, you know. And then I went home, got kicked out, became homeless, basically. And then in three years from that day, I uh, was working you know, with Mike Hennigs, Jordan Belfort, you know, that type of people without like zero experience in marketing whatsoever. The biggest keys that, uh, that I found was, first of all, is the mindset is important so much that where I was, I didn't have anything, right? I didn't. I didn't have anything to lose, and I also like I didn't. I didn't have the rules, you know, what's allowed. So I did things that you know I got burned out, you know I got like made mistakes. But I, because I didn't have those things, I you know I went where maybe others wouldn't. You know I I made choices where you know like most people say like you know this is crazy, etc. Just because I acted on the moment. And, you know, I call that like, you know, when where there's, you know, like there's pavements, people walk. And when you see like something, you just walk 
you know, through the grass or whatever. I think that's what important thing. It doesn't matter how much you have. If you can contain that, you know, emptiness of mind, like, you know, you don't have anything. You don't like, you know, you broke, you don't have anything. You know, there's nothing like you have to play by the rules. Then you see the world differently because you just see what you want. And then, you know, your intuition kind of gives you signals and your brain doesn't block that. I noticed that the more you get, the more you kind of put yourself in the frame like, oh, you know, because I'm a half st- I have status now, I cannot do this, you know, or I'm not allowed, etc. It's like, you know, F that. Can I give you my secret? Sure. That's like when, when I understood this, this, like for me, that was a game over. Uh, I could, you know, achieve anything I wanted. Of course, you know, the, the problem is what sometimes, you know, you're focusing on what you don't want, right? But like, like the, the, the fastest way for me uh, to learn now anything is I act as if. And this is what I learned again from Jordan Belfort. I don't know if, you know, negative, positive people, but like this is the, you know, I learned a lot from that guy. It's like if you can act as if. So, for example, let's say, you know, somebody says like, well, you know, can you help me with casinos, you know, c- c- casino stuff? Uh, I don't know if, you, if I pronounce it well, but, you know, let's say it's a different business, right? Let's say, you know, brainwave, whatever it is, right? And then what I'll do is I'll go, let's say, I'll go to Upwork. If I just post, like, if I need somebody, you know, designer, like, you know, doesn't cut it. Like, I need, uh, you know, a designer that works with, you know, brainwaves or whatever, you know, that designed this, right? So everybody that did, you know, in India and in China, whatever, Anybody that did on like on those platforms will come back to me. So instantly I know who's doing right something. Then I go to, you know, somebody, let's say that's promoting it. I go, hey, well, do you guys, you know, have designers? Do you know how, you know, to build stuff? Do you have banners, et cetera, et cetera? Like to say like, well, we have, but, you know, we're struggling. Hey, I have like, you know, 10 designers that I can, you know, provide you with, like, et cetera. So, you know, that got their attention. Now I'm talking like, and they tell me, you know, what specific problems they have in their business. And then I hear that and I go, you know, post or talk with somebody again, like, and that's like, you can have nothing. And instantly you just, you just in the, in the middle, you know, of everything. I think it's all about acting as if you can provide, because that's how you're going to learn fast, you know, because most, I mean, like Lithuanians have this terrible attitude. And I think, you know, it's milder in, in, in the rest of the world, but I, I really see this here. It's like, oh, this is what we have. We cannot, we, we cannot like be fake, right? Like we cannot, you know, act as if we are different, you know, than we have. And it's like authenticity, I think, or just being, I think, they're stuck in where you are as your reality. And, and I think that's what, you know, what, what uh, stops people. Because once you get that, like Bruce Lee talked about uh, being, you know, without form or formless, that that's when you adapt and uh, you can you know easily find the solutions because usually the the solutions are just the corner way. Tell me real quick, what were um, I guess three defining moments in your life that really have made a transformation? Wow, um, probably one in the realm of speaking was uh, I did a best man speech in Ireland in Dublin and it just happened to be in an old theater and it was my worst nightmare standing on a stage speaking and uh, long story short I decided not to be clever, not to be funny, not to try to be smart. 
And I, I eventually let go and I just spoke from my heart. And at the end of it, I got a standing ovation, and uh, which basically frightened the shit out of me and was not fun. And people think it must be amazing. It wasn't. I walked off that stage and an absolute and utter stranger, a young guy comes up to me with tears rolling down his face, hugged me. And as he parted the, the embrace, he looks me in the eyes and said, if I ever get married, will you be my best man? To which I looked at him and said, uh, excuse my language, I said, fuck off, basically. And uh, which is a very common kind of term that we use in Ireland. You can edit that out if you need to. And um and, and he goes, no, man, I'm serious. He said, he's not really serious about the best man thing, but he says, you've got a gift. Now, it, 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 was, it was a shift in my life. I didn't act upon it initially, but it certainly stirred something deep down. How can an absolute stranger tell you something that your mother could tell you a thousand times, but you don't listen to her? Number one, uh, in no particular order. Um, I suppose number two was one recently, actually. I, I had a very difficult time in school, dyslexic, was judged by a lot of the teachers, called lazy, good for nothing, will amount to nothing by pretty much every teacher except one. And uh, I basically hadn't seen him for 25 years. And I did a screening of our documentary that we just released recently. And he was sitting in the audience. And uh, I just acknowledged him. I'm, I feel the emotion coming already. <clears throat> and I acknowledged him because he was the only teacher in my entire school that believed in me and, and, and gave me the space and honored me. And he stood up from the audience, walked down in Dublin in this theater in, in Ireland. And he didn't say anything. And he just hugged me. And he didn't hug me. He held me. And he just held me for like, it felt like an hour. And there wasn't a dry house, including mine. And um, that was a massive moment for me. Not a place of arrival, just a place to acknowledge him in, in, in my journey and uh, the impact he had on me. There's two. I mean, there's there's so many. There's so many. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I, I, I just another one doesn't come to my mind straight away. But there's there's two that have definitely shaped me as a, as a man and recently and, and previously. No, that's awesome. Do you have uh, any daily habits that you know consistently that you need to do day in and day out to just that's led to success in your life? In, not daily. Like I don't meditate daily and I don't journal daily and stuff like that, which is which is a lot of people kind of assume might assume that I do. And, and, and they kind of uh, I don't it's not that I don't believe in those things. I just I'm not drawn to. It. I think one thing actually there is one thing that I do daily. It's actually, it's more what I don't do, if that makes any sense. And I've never said this before. It's the first time I've ever said this. But I don't read copious amounts of information. I don't absorb tons of information every day. So I don't do that, which a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders, and again, it's not a judgment, but one of the challenges is when you're absorbing information um, through your through your intellect, through your brain, and you're absorbing tons of information, I do believe it aids in suppressing the intuition. What I'm what I'm hugely about is when I when I go on a retreat or work with my, my coaching clients, I give them a journal. This is the journal I give them. And that's it. They get a journal and a pen. And I'm really intrigued about the wisdom they have inside them. I'm interested in who they are, what they're on the search to do, what is their mission, what is their, their gift, what what do they see, what's possible for them that they have not dreamed about before, what do they know about the world that no one else knows, or what do they know about the world they didn't even know they knew. Drawing that wisdom out, information is great to a point, but I think it's information overload. So number one is I don't absorb copious amounts of information. Number two is, this is something I do, it's not a daily practice, but I absolutely, it is probably the single most powerful thing I do, and that is I take time away from myself. I'm just booking a trip today for three three nights, four days away, uh, on a beach in the middle of nowhere, away from the world. I love my family, but I don't want to be with them every single day, every single moment of every single, I need my space, they need the space from me. And I go away, but here's the thing, people go, oh yeah, go away and brainstorm, and no, no technology. I bring a journal, but I have no intention whatsoever. People go, but what are you going to do there? Like, you're going to write? No. You're going to brainstorm? No. You're going to doodle like, you know, just image? No. Nothing. And it's very weird initially. It's like, Jesus, like, what am I going to do? Who am I going to talk? Like, what am I going to 
like sit with myself, like this is weird. And I've become comfortable in that uncomfortableness. And it's extraordinary. I can't tell you scientifically how this works. I can't show you in a spreadsheet the things I've gotten out of it. Every time I come back from that, I feel energized. I feel connected. I feel alive. I feel creative. And all I can tell you after that, shit happens that I don't think would have happened on its own. So that's a quarterly or at least once or twice a year that I would recommend every, I don't care how busy you are. I don't care how much pressure you're under. Go to some dumpy, shitty cabin somewhere, drop a couple of hundred dollars on Airbnb, whatever it happens to be, and take that space. It is beyond powerful. That's uh, totally different than you know most people. They have a big list of, hey, I do this every day, this every day. But I mean, I, I think definitely having their own space. I know whenever I've traveled, things like that for events or anything, but just taking that extra time and maybe take coming in a day early or whatever it may be, or staying a day extra and then just be there for myself and really it re-energizes you and you can just sit there and think and just let yourself be creative. So for sure. Yeah. And, and to me, it's, it's about creating the, the space where you get out of your head. If you talk about, if you talk about athletics and you talk about sports stars, stars or athletes or whatever, they talk about this context of, or this concept of flow. And I think flow is available to all of us, but flow ultimately in a very simplistic terms is actually when you get out of your brain. If you think you talk to a golfer and they hit the greatest shot they've ever hit on the 18th you know, to win the masters or whatever, I guarantee listen to every interview they've ever done. They, they went through mental preparation. They did this. They visualized and everything else. But ultimately, when they hit the shot, they were not in their brain. They were out of their brain. They were feeling it. They were just in the space of flow. And there were shots that they hit that day that they didn't even imagine they could hit, that they could probably not even pull off in practice. So to me, it's about getting out of the brain and connecting intuitively and feeling where you're at, and what you're doing, and what's next, and what is the vision. And that's where really, that's that's a very powerful place to come from. Awesome. So say, I mean, if we're a brand new business, just starting out online, what's the best way? I mean, obviously, we don't have anybody to go do a survey directly in a list or anything like that. So I mean, what do you recommend kind of like a first step for them? Do they go out to Facebook or Google and just post out a survey from that? Basically, the best thing to do for someone who doesn't have a list, this is something we teach in, in our training, is uh, to go out to places where your market is already hanging out. So a couple examples. You can go to forums. You can go to Facebook groups. You might go to your personal network of, of, of you know, contacts that you have. And really what you do is you say, um, hey, I'd love to ask you a question. I'm working on this project right now where I'm um, um, trying to better understand the biggest challenge and frustrations people are having when it comes to this. And I'm wondering, would you be open to me asking you a few questions about um, this situation? Would that be cool? And then once they say yes, that opens up the door to have a series of one-on-one -on -one interactions. Now, these one-on-one -on -one interactions, if you're, if you're comfortable hopping on the phone, get on the phone. Just ask a few questions. Instead of running a survey to a list, get on the phone and ask the questions like you and I, we could ask the questions right here doing doing in an interview like this. Now, if you're the type of person that's like a little bit shy, you're not you know thrilled with that. I mean, heck, you can just, it can just be a Facebook Messenger conversation back and forth, right? Hey, first question: When it comes to you know transporting your refrigerated goods, what's the biggest challenge or frustration you're having right now? You're just having this one-on-one -on -one conversation. And now people say, but how many of these do I need to have? Like that, you know, do I need to have a million of these? Well, the way the math works out, Josh, is pretty simple. One individual conversation like this is worth 25 survey responses because you're able to go so much deeper, right? So, you know, if you have an email list, the easy button is you just send a link in an email and get 250 people 
to fill out one of these surveys. But the alternative, instead of 250 people filling out a survey, just have 10 one-on-one conversations. And you're getting the same information because you're able to go so much deeper in those one-on-one conversations. So if you're just starting out, you don't have a list, that's what I would say is, first step is this, identify what's your SMIQ, what's your single most important question. That's the most important question that you wanna ask people in your world. From there, you can ask a whole bunch of other questions. You can ask about, you know, uh, for someone in, the, in the, the cooler example, you might wanna know what produce do you sell? You might wanna know how much money do you make in your business? How long have you been in business? How much staff do you have? All these kind of questions to better dimensionalize that, that business, that person. But the, if you were to ask just one question and one question only, it's that SMIQ, single most important question. When it comes to X, What's your biggest challenge or frustration? I yeah. want to maybe see uh, two action points um, you'd like to let people take away today that they can go implement and start doing would be pretty awesome. Totally. So, you know, really the best way to get started, we kind of covered it already, right? So first thing is this, come up with what your single most important question is. And for that, you really got to get clear on what your goal is. Are you trying to figure out what product to sell next? Are you trying to figure out why your mark, you know, how to better market a product that you're already selling? Are you trying to figure out if the a, a niche that you're considering pursuing, is there enough demand? Is there, are people in enough pain for you to consider pursuing it? Once you've decided what your goal is, then from that, come up with that single most important question. When it comes to X, what's your biggest challenge or frustration? So that's the first thing. Second thing is just find one person, test it out, right? Find, just identify one person that is, you know, could, uh, uh, you know, a, a woman who needs help with their skin. It could be anybody, it could be your aunt, it could be your mom, it could be your neighbor, it could be your coworker, whatever, and you just reach out and say, hey, I'm working on this project, I'm looking to solve this problem, and I'm trying to get a little bit of insight, and I'm wondering, would you be open to answering a few questions? And when the first person says yes, just ask them that single most important question, and then you're off to the races. Awesome, no, that's some, that's some great action steps for you guys just take away and start doing. I mean, don't sit there and wait for this. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to put it together. And, and like Ryan, I said, you, you can go out and find somebody if you want to have them jump on the phone and do the surveys, you know, directly. So, and uh, just uh, one piece of success advice uh, you want to just leave everybody with. You know, the, this is the most, the most powerful piece of advice I can give you is someone, something that one of my mentors gave me. And, and it goes like this. You don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. You know, movement breeds clarity. Just keep moving, keep moving forward. You might be scared to do this, and you, this is where you just say, screw it, just do it. I'm gonna do one of these damn interviews, and you just, whatever. You know, I might look like a fool, I might say stupid stuff, but you don't have to get it perfect, you just gotta get it going. Cool, man. Awesome. Is you know, entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of, a lot of the people that are watching, they're, they're type A, they have some kind of stresses in their life, things like that. I know we talked a little bit about using the breathing technique to help manage some of that. You know, what are maybe a couple other ideas or things that you teach to help people kind of rid that stress from their lives or from what they're doing? Yeah, I help people develop like a very specific routine for the morning and the evening and then sure. during the daytime as a reminder. Because essentially like, the key is to just always remember what it is that you want and why it is that you want it. And then like the stress kind of goes away and that it's not that important either way, if you get it or not, because <laughs> essentially you're going to die. You're not going to be able to keep it. 
So um, right. I just I just help entrepreneurs and high performers um, get rid of that overwhelming feeling where are you familiar with the story of like there's like a martial arts master and he's sitting at a mountaintop and uh, one of his students comes to him and he's like, I really love martial arts. I love it so much. And he's like, because I love it so much, I've decided to take on a second martial art and to learn it. And, um, and I think it's going to help my training. And the martial arts master tells him, he's like, the hunter who chases two rabbits catches none. <laughs> Basically, like I just help people like tap into that internal warrior and which is like that single minded focus, which is like that flow state, which is um, like getting rid of that overwhelm that that we feel like looking at a project from the macro and just breaking it down into the micro and getting it done and like getting rid of a lot of those like emotional issues from the past that we're holding on to and belief systems that aren't serving us anymore right and uh and i use a lot of like neuro-linguistic programming and like um like ancestral like meditations and techniques and uh different types of breathing patterns i mean we trained with wim hof last year we flew down to spain and we climbed the mountain with him we just create breakthroughs by any means like possible whether like some people like for example like if you come to me and like we have a conversation like it might be that you have like some sort of like like a nutritional struggle or like you might have parasites inside of your body or you have heavy metal toxicity or maybe you're holding on to these belief systems, but essentially it's all one big holistic model where it's like it all plays a role together. Like we use everything because it's like you can't forget one thing because if you like, because it's going to be that weakest link that's going to destroy everything. Sure. Oh, yeah. Whether it's like bad habits of like, I don't know, going out drinking during uh, these mastermind events and like winding up in a strip club halfway through the night and then making some really shitty decisions and then your marriage being destroyed and like that'll topple everything. It's just like you just need one domino to fall and (laughs) it'll destroy everything. For sure. And uh, Yeah, I just keep people like focused and on like their warriorship because like for me, I have very specific rules that I live by and I have very specific standards that I hold myself to and I teach people to develop their own standards and their own rules because the more rules you have, the more freedom you you have in your life because you don't even have to make those silly decisions like, what am I going to eat? Am I going to eat this shitty food or am I not going to eat this shitty food? Am I going to talk to this woman that's trying to like, whatever, seduce me or do, am I just going to ignore her? Am I going to yell at my kids or am I going to have a con- – like all these mm, rules. Right. That, that raise your standards for who you are as a human being and as a warrior, give you the freedom to actually create the shit that you need to create. Because if you're sitting there making $5 decisions your whole fucking life, how are you supposed to make <laughs> the million dollar decisions that you really need to be making, you know? Sure. Along the way, what were some of the biggest challenges, you know, with your different companies that you ran into sure. that uh, made you say, man, this is, I really need to change this or things aren't going to work out or, you know, I really need to, um, learn from this because the company's going the wrong direction. (laughs) Sure. And I think there's three challenges for me, which I hope helps people in your audience. I think one was just the startup phase of, I was working as, as you said, in the intro, I was at the United Nations for a number of years until I was fired slash resigned because of my entrepreneurial journey. (laughs) So I think, and I started three of my companies while at the UN and sold one, I think as I was leaving point being, 
that was struggle number one, you know, being in a cubicle and a full-time day job, as many maybe of your listeners are. Sure. When do I leave? How do I leave? I got to feed my family. So that was one struggle and challenge. And I can share that if you wish. Um, point two is the aspect of, I think, now I have a thriving company. Smart Hustle's been in business for three years. You know, small biz technology forever. You know, Josh, I think it's, it's one thing to go from zero to 60. I read a lot of your things. But then scaling it bigger, that's, I think, been my biggest difficult. Setting right. up a website's easy. But man, okay, you made 100,000, 200,000. How do you go beyond half a million mark? Right. And, and that's a weak area of mine. You know, I'm not the scale guy. So okay. I have to learn it. And I'm going through the aspect of freelance versus entrepreneur. And that's a big struggle for me as well. I'm solving that. But, you know, as a freelance mindset, you want to do everything yourself. Right. If you're building a scale, scalable business, you know, once you hit a certain number, you got to delegate and stop doing stuff yourself. You can't edit that, that image in Canva anymore. Right. <laughs> and, and I think that's the hardest thing for entrepreneurs, even like I know for myself, is delegating because you know, okay, well, I can do it. And sometimes it's easier for me just to do it than it really than to go teach somebody. But that's how you get some of your time back to continue doing what you love and move stuff off your plate is by teaching somebody else and spending that time, whether it's a week or two weeks, to make sure they're trained up and have that DNA in them of you. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, training is so important. I'm learning that as well. I mean, learning, know these things. But as I scale, I'm like, you know what? I can't just tell, you know, I hired Josh as my intern, you know, right. <laughs> or as my copy editor. I, can't, I have to transfer my mindset to him. I got to give him a manual. Yeah. That's how we scale yep. because hopefully he'll get better and train someone else. So I think that aspect you said of, 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 of training others is definitely something to learn. You know, I have an executive assistant. I have project managers, my video manager, these people on my team. But, man, I'm making sure that there's manuals or some sort of uh, uh, templates in place so if we get somebody else – they can slip into that role, kind of like McDonald's. Yeah, for sure. You got to create that system and everything for everybody. Um, I know one of the things you mentioned is you started three of your businesses while you were working at the UN. So you kind of almost had the, like the whole side hustle thing going on. And I mean, you know, let's dive into a little bit more about that and just sure. what you experienced and direct challenges with that for sure. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that's a unique challenge, unique meaning I think those people who are fortunate or cursed, depending on how you look at it, to be fully 100% on your own, and especially as you're starting out, you have to make sure that revenue comes in every day. Right. Um, but you have more time to scale, more time and freedom to do all the stuff that needs to be done as an entrepreneur. Those of us who started our journey while working a full-time job, we're getting a steady check coming in, but we're doing stuff like, pretend this is a phone, Josh. Hi. I can't come out right now because my boss is around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to build your business while working your job, your day job. You have to scale and work, have a team in place, lunchtime, early in the morning. Trust me, I know what it's like to wake up at 3 and 4 in the morning every day. So that was, I think, the big challenge. And then I think 3 was just that day when I was fired. I mean, it's like, Ramon, it's <laughs> Wednesday. You know it's coming. We, you know, we're not going to extend your contract, United, Na United Na Nations language for being fired. Right. Um, Two days from now. So, but thankfully, hopefully this helps somebody. I had built up a client base. I had revenue coming in. I was just scared Josh to leave. And if I wouldn't have got fired, I don't know, maybe I'd still be here today, like secretly in a UN room somewhere interviewing, you know, in this interview. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, you know, I think a lot of people, they tend to hold on to that safety net for sure. And, you know, how, uh, hey, I got it good here. And then here it's doing really well. But I'm really comfortable because I know this is safe. This is yeah. what I know. Yes. We have an entrepreneurial audience, and they're always looking for ways <laughs> to understand not just what 
daily routine because anybody can do that. Right. But what is that mindset? What's that path that you go down? One, that led you to success. Two, what, are, what is that main challenge that you really had to overcome? Well, one thing I think you have to, you have to be humble uh, enough to realize that in your lifetime, we, if you count sleeping, we at the most have 20 to 40 good years that we're a lot, we're awake. That's true. One third of your life is going to be spent asleep. Uh, sleep. So you automatically, and you're not going to do much when you're four, and you're not going to do much when you're 104. So for the most part, you got this window, and so in, you have to be humble enough to realize you won't just learn it on your own learning curve. You don't have enough time. Truth, yeah. So what you have to do, that's kind of step one, is become humble enough to realize you can't learn it on your own. Number two, become a master of seeking out a group of advisors. You can call them mentors, you can call them counselors, whatever, you coaches. But every great athlete has a badass coach. LeBron James, Michael, Michael Jordan had Dean Smith, one of the great basketball coaches, college coaches. Then he had Phil Jackson. I actually, I just found an interview that I did. I interviewed Kobe Bryant and I asked him this exact question. And Kobe said, you gotta learn from people who have created greatness before you. So like Kobe Bryant, a lot of people think is like a cocky guy, but really his root core philosophy is very humble. It's a philosophy of going to where other people have created greatness and say, hey, what should I learn from you? And that made him a top five basketball player of all time probably. And so when you're an entrepreneur, when you're trying to make money, it's the same thing. Other people have created greatness before. You don't have to reinvent the wheel and go through a 700 year uh, learning curve. Because the learning curve, you try to learn on your own, it's probably one century, possibly one millennium, you know? And we don't have that much time. So they used to say a long time ago, I think it was Aristotle or Plato said, we are too soon old and too late smart. So if you can get in that mindset, watching videos like your videos, reading, I read a lot. Yeah. Uh, I just interviewed Naveen here. He's a multi-billionaire, and he says he wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, he reads from 4.30 to 7.30, and that's a common thread among successful people. That's awesome. And, you know, I know that, and that seems to be a common trait is with a lot of, the, like, interviewing Naveen and interviewing some other, you know, high-level entrepreneurs and stuff, that is that common trait is, you know, they, they have that mindset, they read, they seek others out, right. you know, that they can learn from and gather that information from. Yeah. What would you say one of your largest or the biggest uh, challenge that you've had to overcome in your, you know, to get to where you are today? I mean, you know, I always say most people... Myself included, if you look back at your life, we were too stubborn, so we moved too and adapted too slowly. We're too sensitive, meaning when people corrected us, we got butt hurt instead of just listening and adjusting course. And the third thing, I mean, it depends on the person. I really believe in personality types, but we surrounded ourselves with the wrong social circle. Those three become big because you, you primarily learn by absorption. Humans don't learn, even though it's ironic, I'm doing a talk, you don't learn as much by lecturing as you do by observing. And so you wanna, you know, things rub off on you, both for good and for bad. And very few people are qualified to teach you. And it's just like if you had heart problems, you wouldn't go up to your 10 friends and be like, what will you do, you know, a coronary bypass on me? You'd die. 
You have to find a highly specialized, qualified person that's one in a million. And that's the same thing with your social circle. You have to guard it, you have to purge it, you have to filter it, and then once it, you realize it's the right circle, you have to nurture it because good people need you got to take care of them. You got to take care of the people who take care of you. So. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.